Hey no. there. Hey there. Hey there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. USA. Uasa. Uasa. That's <laughs> right. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I, ca- I caught up on all my sleep, and I'm getting ahead on all the sleep I'm going to miss uh, coming up next month. Oh, well, that's right. Good. You're oh, going, yeah, you're going yeah. on your travails oh, yeah. slept, as well, I slept you? good and hard. I did nothing yesterday. Nothing. Wow. Yes, but eat and watch TV and rest. Okay. Getting, yeah, getting... What did you watch on TV? What did you watch on TV? Anything fun? I'm re-watching shows on Netflix that mm-hmm. I really like. That's all. Yeah, right. Um, And... Uh, hopefully he's rested now. Well, I think he I think he expelled quite a lot of energy today working on the DRZ. It's a stumpy John. Man, I am road hard and put away wet. <laughs> you expelled a certain <laughs> amount of something working on the yeah. DRZ today. Man, uh, God bless used motorcycles. Well, we'll get to the DRZ saga. Uh, on the Classic Girl Couch tonight in leather... Leggings, leather and lace. It's Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. Hello. And that is not including my rubberized underwear. So I'm in leather and rubber. <laughs> that's what that squeaky noise was. Yes. <laughs> no, that's not. The squeaky noise was something else. <laughs> you know, when you're wearing uh, leather and rubber, it makes it hard to do a groin check. Ah. Oh. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should point out that we did. We had a first aid lesson yeah. today with the groin check included. Yeah, we'll, we'll get. Oh, to we that. did. That's right. We'll get yeah, to that. that's right. Check Henry's uh, no less. Henry's got quite the groin. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I love how Jonathan just went for it. Um, also on the classy girl couch tonight, joining us for the first time, and I think I think you you're still a little bit like, what is this place? It's AJ. Hey, how you doing? Uh, this is my first time in the Motorcycles and Misfits garage, and I'm very excited to be here. Oh, what a voice. AJ with the sexy Welcome. voice, baby. No, he's yeah, got the yeah. sexiest I'm voice. I'm getting squeaky now. Are you really? <laughs> I sincerely you hope you are wearing your rubberized underwear. Johnny! A little sad I missed the groin check earlier. <laughs> oh, it's thrilling. Oh, we can arrange something. Uh, <laughs> I'm punchy from that DRZ. Sorry, y'all. Oh, my word. Uh, and are you one of our now regular stunt misfits, it's Scott. Hello. Good evening. And AJ has uh, me to blame for dragging him in on this, but he's got a great story to tell tonight about some international travels. Right, because yeah, you, two, yeah. you two are riding buddies out east, aren't you? For 10-something years, yeah. Okay. We've got an annual mm-hmm. May ride up in the Smokies. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, also joining us yes. is everybody's favorite ginger. It's Bagel. <laughs> I have inhaled copious quantities of dust and two-stroke smoke this weekend. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh. I went camping God. on a camping rally. Oh, fun. Excellent. And we all know that scooters are crazy, crazy. partiers. Nobody rides a motorcycle now. Look, I can see it behind me. <laughs> well, I'm not riding it yet. <laughs> well, okay, but you own it. So that's half the battle one. Yes. <laughs> and then we have a uh, we have an audience member who's who's here just to uh, The peanut gallery. Yeah. <laughs> He's auditing us. Yep. Yeah, we got Anthony here. And I got dragged along by AJ. 
<laughs> yeah. He's also like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> so nothing about this stuff. <laughs> that's quite okay. I think you'll have some fun with this. Um, so Bagel, wish you were yeah. here. We had a we did a cool thing yet today. Oh yeah, what was that? We had a biker first aid class. Oh, and cool. I think this will be the first of many. Yeah, no, I suspect Excellent. so because it's it covers such a broad spectrum mm-hmm. and we really we just got a taste of it. It's uh, uh, Jonathan, who's been coming fairly regularly. Yeah. Um, we found out he is a paramedic for the Army. 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 Uh, the Army. So, I mean, he's the real deal. He does, like, search yeah. and rescue no, he jumps and drop him out of a, he's a helicopter. He's an Air Force of. rescue parajumper. Right. So The wow. baddest ass of the baddest asses. Running, jumping, action. Jumping out, real James Bond stuff. And he said, look, we'll do a basic first aid course. So if you are on a run and one of your buddies goes down in front of you, what should you do? Well, I mean, it, that's like Pandora's box. Um, but we, we kind of broached the, the surface and got, it was a great introduction to it. But hopefully he's going to do a few more. Yeah, what we discovered is there really isn't enough time to cover all the different types of writing and techniques. For instance... Uh, if the if the rider down is conscious or unconscious, you've got two different paths to, to take. If they're in a um, you know on a on a city street versus up on a mountain, right? Again, different, different paths. paths to take. And and then we talked about tourniquets, and everyone enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the groin check. The groin check is an important check. This So this is something that I learned. Um, so I just wanted to kind of recap some of the basics. Um, because I've been on too many scenes where there's a lot of people standing around doing nothing but being in the way. Um, and uh, they don't know what to do. And oftentimes they'll create a worse situation by oftentimes in a group people will just get off their bikes and leave it in the street, you know, and, and, and add, make more of a problem. So, um, first thing is we said, secure the scene. The most important thing is secure the scene before you go to the rider is secure the scene, make sure road is clear and that there are people, um, in the, uh, on the street at each end securing it so that there's no one going to be coming along in a car, no more victims. Exactly. Then you, you, then you get to the victim. And there are so many different scenarios. And actually, Liza, before we get into this, John came up with a very, very good point. And he said, look, we're going to be looking for content while you're away doing your travels. So I am thinking we might actually persuade Jonathan himself, because he's got a lovely voice, to come in here and actually talk about these various scenarios. Well, we have to do it again because Naked Jim wasn't able to be here, but he's here now. Hey, hey, I'm alive. Hey. I, I exist, to quote hey, the great Zach. What's happening? Viva Las Vegas. So we're just starting a recap of our training today. And the one thing I learned that I've never thought to do is you said you do a body check. You sweep your hand down mm-hmm. each limb yep. of the person and to feel because there might be blood pooling through mm-hmm. their gear. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of wipe your hands down their whole body and then check your hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed I missed it, but I, I bet a lot of things kind so, of pop up. And when you lay hands and, on things, and, and, well, all you sorts know, of things I had you my notice. hands all over Henry, and there was good fluid. Lord, woman, there I've been was, here for two minutes, and, and here there we was go. Was fluid? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Was it was it pooling? Yeah. So the funny thing is, Jim, we had Henry laying out on the ground because who's oh he was your test who's, who's most likely to be the victim? Did we blow him up with the <laughs> with the vest too, or is that and Charlie? So Jonathan is doing the sweep of each limb, and then he goes mm-hmm. groin check, and he just swipes up the groin. I don't We're know like, why he did it like oh. six times though. Oh, that was interesting. <laughs> but it's a, the but the thing is anywhere. There's basically an orifice in your body. There's potential for blood to come out of it, and it's always bad. Oh, I just got back from ba- yeah. Vegas. Baby. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you. you go. So, so we've had bad things coming out of so these, orifice bleeding through. These me. are very, very valid checks, and each one you do, each one in a specific order, and it's whether the mm-hmm. person is conscious or not, and what you're checking for. And it was a very, very comprehensive check. Um, very informative and i would love to devote really either a whole show or part of a right. show yeah. yeah i had tons of questions so I'm yeah. oh yeah well, the other thing i learned like i asked him all right if somebody's limb is bent at an awkward angle do you straighten it and the answer is no Right. I thought you were going to be like, do you point and laugh at it? Because that's normally what you would do. No, no, no. Take a picture. Yeah, um, take a picture. <laughs> totally. Post it on I, the, the web. The answer is no. And here's be- what I was reminded. Our job as untrained medics is to keep the person alive until they can get med- proper medical yep. attention. Right. So you don't want to do any other unnecessary movements unless it's something that in the case where he said, if you know, you don't want to take their helmet off or move them, but if they're not breathing, mm-hmm. take the helmet off, even though you may snap the neck, but they can't breathe, right. they're going to die. So it's a lesser two evils. Or if they have blood gushing, go, 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 put the tourniquet on. Yep. Well, isn't that bad for the limbs? Yes, but, but it's better than bleeding and out. And that's the same if, if, if their mouth is full of blood, vomit, whatever. And they're unconscious. If you leave them lying on their back, they're going to basically yeah, drown. Open. So yeah. you turn mm-hmm. them on their side so you can drain the mouth mm-hmm. out and get your fingers and get all these obstructions out of, out of their throat. But that's job number one is just keep them alive until professional right. help can get there. So, well, you know, we're not setting limbs or anything. I'm definitely going to buy a tourniquet because I don't, I don't have one in my gear. Mm-hmm. And you know, I need to have one. It's funny because I, I, one thing I want to – you know, uh, ask some questions about was, you know, wildland stuff. Like, right. you know, what are the likely scenarios you're going to run into? It is it bleeding. Is it broken bones? I can so guess at it, but that was, I asked him, um, I <clears> said, <throat> on our next one, I would like to do, how do I get off the mountain? Yeah. That, cause that kind of thing you is hit that SOS button. If you're that's well, exactly right. <laughs> but there's one thing, if you're on a trouble. city street, you leave them lying there. If you're up a mountain with no, phone reception what do you do like we talked about there's a video i've seen of a guy who was dirt biking and he hit a branch and the stick went through his boot Mm -hmm. into his shin i think i saw that and and it's like don't pull it out because now you got to get off the mountain so you kind of break it off and then tape it in so it doesn't move i think we all know that rule don't take off the boot and don't take off the glove well that was another thing thing we talked about if you're up the mountain don't take off the boot but if you're down the the mountain if you're in the street take off the boot yeah okay so like there's going to be different criteria um and i think one of the other really helpful things that john got to demo is the method to, yeah. if you have to pick somebody up and move them, say they're in a dangerous spot. Say mm-hmm. you're the only person there and you're in the turn of a, of a road. Mm-hmm. You want to try and describe the technique, John? Because you successfully did it. Yeah. To, to, so, and he's a big fella, too. He's this like 230-something. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, what I did is I kneeled behind him, 
He laid back against my chest. Well, you start with their head on the ground. Right. But you got to sort of try to lift them up, but support the head at the same time. So you have the least amount of spinal cord issues. You're skipping. Mm. Let me do this. All right. You (laughs) kneel down with their head between your knees. Slide your hands underneath the shoulder blades. Lift the shoulder blades up slightly and scooch your knees up under. Your knees are the wedge. Uh. As you continue to slide your hands in and lift them up and you slide forward so that your knees are becoming a wedge until you have them almost into a sitting position. Now you reach your hands up under underneath their armpits and grab each of their wrists that are across their chest. Okay. And now you can stand up. Basically squatting position. Stand up and drag them off of the road. I wasn't sure I was gonna be able to do it, but he it it worked. I I'm yeah. 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 That's all good info. Yeah. So Really helpful. Um, another, uh, some other stuff is, so, you know, I, I have a pack that I bought, a med pack. And what I learned is mine is a blood control pack. So we said there's blood loss packs and there's fix the boo-boo packs, right? Mm-hmm. Mine is, is just blood blood loss. So it's it's got the tourniquets. It's got the gauze. It's got the scissors to cut the clothes off. It's all the, that. It's the blood the, clotting it's shit. It's the keep them alive until they get there. Yep. So here's where I got some helpful information. And fortunately, I just got all this info last weekend from the WEMA rally at, uh, in, in Custer, South Dakota. And what I have here is this is a brochure for motorcycle trauma packs. Hmm. And this is a company. It's called CPR-1STFirstAid.com. CPR-1STAid.com. And they have all different types of some assembled kits <clears throat> that you can buy that start at $25 for you, a basic blood. You, you know what I like about that? <clears throat> Not only can you buy like a, a pick a pack that works for you, mm-hmm. but I've used those before because I've kind of built my own over time. It's a, it's a big Ziploc bag, but yeah. it's, I, it's kind of all the stuff I've figured out I think is good. And, but you can use that as a reference to figure out what might be good for you and then just pick and choose from the items and yep. build your own. And it says that, these packs were developed to complement bystander assistance training by accident scene management road guardians. Cool. So it is made for people who aren't highly trained to have helpful things. So I recommend this. It's pretty cool. It's like twenty five bucks, forty six bucks, eighty bucks for the whole. Oh, and thing. there's a there's a mega one on the back page for oh, one hundred and forty nine. And everything comes with illustrated instructions. Hmm. But here's another thing he said. So I had my brand new pack, and we were doing the demo. So I pulled out my tourniquet, which was wrapped, shrink wrapped in plastic, and then and I undid it. He goes, that right there. You need to go into your first aid kits and unpack the things because mm. everything is all sealed up to make it mm-hmm. nice and pretty. Because before you go out, unpack it because that's that's time. Well, down. and hand yeah. in hand in hand with that, with a tourniquet, for example, if you're using a, a CAT tourniquet. You know, they're, they're pretty simple, but if you've never done it once or twice or 10 times, they can be a little tricky. To op- they're incredibly effective. They're combat tourniquets. Jake told me to get one. He brought a stack of them and let everyone Did he? play Yeah, because you got to practice cool. with that because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're under pressure and there's blood sh- if you're using a tourniquet, things are bad. So, right. you know, it's an unpack it and practice using those things, just like everything else. Um, and then here's another helpful thing that I got at the rally. Um, they don't have it here in California, but they're all across the United States. Um It's called Road Guardians, roadguardians.org. And these are classes you can take to, like what we did today. 
Now they got crash course for motorcycles, basic blended learning, advanced bystander. Um, they got all these anatomy of a motorcycle crash, all these different classes, and they have cities all over the country with classes going on that you can register for. You want to check it out? <laughs> yeah, Road Guardian spoke at my motorcycle rotary meeting. What too. a cool thing! Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I recommend going to roadguardians.org and see if there's something near you that you can take one of these classes. We're gonna we're gonna do more of these. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah, definitely. And um, there's I learned stuff today. That was helpful. But I'm reminded my job is to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. And you alive. Because I'm like, should I carry a drill alive. so I can do burr holes if they have a, a head injury? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he said make a small little hand one. He, he said he'd, no, bring, he'd bring me one. No, and I mean, you could carry spare component parts. And I mean, nobody's expecting you to carry anything large on a bike. But you could have like an eyeball or a finger or <laughs> something. True. You know, and just A saline like, IV pack is what I want. Do they have like a like adventure enema you could bring? Oh, John. Oh, John. Well, <laughs> Only I mean, if it's ice I, th- I think they had it at that buffet in Vegas. <laughs> For the type of writing that we're doing, I mean, we're we're not needing big kits. It's really yeah. keep them alive. Mm-hmm. And I think it's responsible as a biker to have a kit like that. But if you're going to be doing like a big adventure ride, go someplace crazy like Iceland or something. <gasps> If you don't have medics with you, I think this is definitely the must-have to be able to have people who know how to do stuff like that. What did you say an adventure ride in Iceland? You yeah. just put ice who on it. Does, you just put ice on it. Who the well, hell does I mean, such a thing? If you're going to do a big adventure like that, if you don't have training, you need to bring medics. Hey, um, uh, AJ, do you have any training and stuff like this? Uh, not anymore. Uh, for a time, I was a uh, certified EMT basic. Oh, I didn't know that. But uh, let's see. If you're doing a big trip, say like in Iceland, is would you bring kits or would you just bring medics with you? Uh, depends on the size. Uh, for that size of group, let's go with uh, bring the medics. Yeah, there you go. That's bring an even better idea is bring the medics. In <laughs> fact, you just did this really cool trip to Iceland. Now, okay, Jim, you're going to be getting excited. I didn't even tell you all... The, the stuff once I started deep diving on this. And I, I stopped him in some of the stories so that I could like... Better than pooling fluids, learn. huh? So, let, all right, I'm just going to try and um, summarize this and then we'll, we'll get into it. So there's a thing called Honda Adventure Roads. HondaAdventureRoads.com, I think, right? That Honda takes you on a tour and every year they do some amazing country. This year was Iceland. And they bring... They, they give you bikes. They give you training by some of the top riders in the world. In fact, uh, Dakar, I think was it the U.S. Dakar team? Yep. Giving them tips. Yeah, I know, right? They bring uh, vehicles to take the luggage. They bring medical. They even take your luggage for you. They bring spare bikes, too. And wow. they bring spare bikes. You Got are set up. However, there is a caveat. You can only do this trip if you own a certain bike. Oh, do tell. An Africa twin. Oh, my God. There it is. I know. Uh, there it is. <laughs> I had a feeling that was coming up. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, tell me more. So, I, well, exactly. I'm like, how do we tell not know more. about this? I was and, say. and Emma brought up, like, so many people don't even know about the Honda training facilities. They don't do a great job so of really if telling you, everyone. Yeah, if you cast your mind back three years to that epic road trip me and Liza did to LA. 
we specifically went down to do the Honda training course. And they've got this wonderful facility um, in Chaparral. That's where yeah, it's next, yeah. next, mm-hmm. next to Chaparral Motorsports, yeah. kind of San Bernardino way. And it's an amazing setup. It's multi-acre. They've got all the bikes. They've got all the gear. They've got classroom instruction. Everything is done to the highest standard, and nobody knows about it. Yeah, I didn't hear about it till you guys found out when well, checked it out. There's a reason mm. that we don't know about it. And I know that, I mean, we know about the GS Trophy. This isn't that. And we know that Honda does a thing like the GS Trophy where people compete. Uh, and uh, Yeah. yeah but I, didn't, I didn't know that either. This isn't that. Well, let's first start. Let's first start, AJ. What bike do you have specifically? I have a 2018 Honda Africa Twin DCT. So the blend nice. of our two bikes. Yeah, yeah. I got an 18, but the shifter, and you got the DCT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Great, cool, nice right. setup. So you heard about this trip, but uh, we haven't heard about it. A lot of people here haven't heard about it. Why haven't we heard about this trip? These trips are put on by Honda Motorcycles UK as a part of their marketing department. It's not Honda US. Oh. They don't advertise it here. Interesting. Okay. But you found hmm. out about it. I found out about it doing research into um, what, what I thought would be my next bike because I had a Honda 919, great bike. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I want to drive further. I want to probably go off-road. Honda came out with this motorcycle. One of the videos I stumbled on YouTube was Honda Adventure Roads Nordcap, mm-hmm. which took place in 2017, if memory serves. And that one was a trip that Honda put on uh, for mostly journalists, come to find out. Mm. When, oh, yeah. They do yeah. do that, those oh, yeah. that manufacturers. Yeah. So when you watch the YouTube video, you're, you think that this is just a group of riders and uh, and the bikes are, are on road and then they're off road. They go through rain. They're on a ferry. It's a great video. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it got me. And I was like, I think the Africa Twin is the bike for me. So... But I had stumbled on this Honda Adventure Rose thing, mm-hmm. and then they did another one in 2019 to South Africa. And I can't wow. get as many details about that one as I did Nordcap. But what I do know is they invited riders. And it was all riders out of the EU. And it was all riders who had were current Africa Twin owners hmm. and were who were members of Honda Adventure or Honda Riders Club. HRC, yeah. Okay. HRC, which isn't, doesn't exist in the U.S., so um, by that point, I had already bought my Africa Twin and loved it. Right. So I had planned and executed a great trip for me, my dad, another riding guy, where we left New York, where we were out of, and then rode all the way out to Nova Scotia. It was a nine-day cool. trip. It was an amazing trip. So a month after that trip, I turned to the guys, and I was like, hey, what do you want to do next? And they were like, well, we don't know. <laughs> and I was like, well, all right, we'll, we'll start looking. Uh-huh. So I started to look into Iceland. And I was like, this like this looks cool. Yeah. I was like, I looked at shipping costs. How do we mm. get bikes there? Is it better to rent bikes there? And through the progression of that research, I stumbled upon Honda Adventure Roads again, and they're going to do it in Iceland, and they're going to do it in 2021. And this was in 2020. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so now I get excited. I was like, oh, this is cool. And it says, there's a spot for you to register your interest. Mm-hmm. Oh, You're like, like registering is, now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. So I messaged my dad, messaged our other rider buddy, like, hey, go register right now. Like, Honda may be able to take care of this for us. So 
I did message them, and they did get back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, thank you for registering your interest. You are a current Africa Twin owner, which is one of the requirements. The other requirement is most of the, our riders ever are out of the EU. We haven't really opened it up to the Americas yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And you're not a Honda Rider Club member. So okay, Aww. there's that. There's that. So this is where I stopped him in the store. I'm like, I want to know yeah. how did you get in. <laughs> so the event was scheduled for 2021, mm-hmm. and due to the pandemic, mm-hmm. that it was postponed or possibly canceled. So I thought it was great that they had responded to me in the first place. The fact that I heard back from them was cool, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, I will have to schedule this on my own or find a different trip. I have to wonder if other Americans are responding, if or you just got lucky, or I don't know. I don't. I'm not certain. Your name is not like Smith. No, maybe it's the name sounds sort of European. <laughs> How do you even say it? Where Werkama? Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah, Werkama. Werkama. Yep. What's that? Polish? It could be anything. Uh, I believe it's mostly Dutch. See. Could be anything. anything. Yeah. European. That's all I got. It was EU. all in the name. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, 2022 turns around, and I, uh, I'm at my job in March sometime. I believe it was March, and, I'm, and I happen to check my personal inbox because I'm looking for an email that I believe I have lost, and I check my spam inbox. <gasps> oh. Oh. oh, sitting in my spam inbox oh. is an email from Har. Honda Adventure Roads. Oh, and I wow. I look at it and I'm like, no. And I open it and the email starts and I check the time in which they had sent it. And it was six hours ago. <gasps> oh, wow. Oh, wow. wow. So, this is March and this is for a trip in July. Oh, yeah. Oh, sh- mm-hmm. okay. So I read through the whole email and I stop myself. I take myself away from the computer. I turn to my other one of my other coworkers and I was like, please go read the email on my desktop and tell me what it says. <laughs> and, the, and the guy walks over and goes, I was like, did I get into college? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. The guy looks over, reads it and he goes, are you going to Iceland? <laughs> I think I might be. Yeah, just maybe. So nice. I immediately, res- I, I called my wife and I said, I said, hey, Honda Adventure Roads go back to me for the trip in Iceland. I think I'm invited. She goes, well, then you have to do it. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's a good woman. She's, she's like, I have to do it. I was like, okay. So yeah. I, I responded, and I sat on pins and needles because it was Friday when I sent my response. And I was like, maybe I didn't respond in time. They said yeah. What they said is, you had previously expressed interest in Honda Adventure Roads Iceland 2021. Due to the pandemic, we had mm-hmm. to delay. We have been greenlit for 2022. There have been a few cancellations due to the change in schedule. Let's let the American in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Awesome. That's all right. <laughs> there are two spots available. These spots oh. will fill up very quickly. Please let us know as quickly as you can if you would like to go. Wow. Here's nice. the cost. Here's yeah. a few other, other things. And I, I was, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and then I sat on pins and needles for an entire weekend. Now, the cost, <laughs> now, it was in some other denomination. I don't know if it was yours or what, but it didn't seem that crazy. It was not. Was it like eight, eight, nine thousand? How much was it? No, it was five. <laughs> wow, really? Oh my god! Awesome. I, I, I don't wow. know if I'm supposed to tell people this, but it was five thousand. No, well, what, what do you get for five listed. grand, though? Yeah, like, I was going to say. Now, what did scoop. that include? So, not the flight, of course. Not that is correct, and that's basically all it didn't include. Wow! So wow. that covered the use of a Honda Africa Twin. It would be a 2022. For how and, many days? 
Uh, it would be nine days of riding, 11 days total. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I just saw one of those wow. the other day, a new 22 Africa twin with a low seat height. Mm. Pretty cool. I think it's 11, those 1100s? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. they are. Uh, so you could request DCT or not. Cool. Uh, you, all the lodging was covered, the food was covered, and a certain amount of booze were covered. <laughs> a certain wow. amount. Yeah. Nice. And medical and support. Entire support team. Yep. And wow. a film crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing high-end video. Yeah, very impressive. So the film crew is actually a group. I didn't any know this at any at the time, obviously. I've had mm. to discover all this during the ride. But they're a group called Band Original. And I guess for motorsports, they are world-renowned for being the top film-producing uh, group that you can hire. Cool. Yeah, if you go to Honda Adventure awesome. Roads on YouTube, you can see a bunch of the videos. There's... And he was telling me about how there was a guy um, like doing all the rides that they're doing, which is pretty challenging with a cameraman on the back, swinging back and forth, taking oh pictures awesome. backwards. That's rad. I know. That's commitment nice. there. Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but I am really curious, you know, like what the writing was, how you guys started out, how yeah. the other writers were. And I have friends who got back from Iceland recently. And to me, it seems like it's not no candy ass Italy like what you guys did. With your real comfortable hotels and nice breakfasts. This is, to me, it seems, tell me if I'm wrong, equal parts beautiful and miserable. It, uh, <laughs> I, the lodging that Honda arranged for us was amazing. Right. It was very country. comfortable stays. The riding was tough. Yeah. It tested your metal. It looks wet. So parts of, yeah. we, for, for a good portion of the time, we had very nice weather. Uh-huh. Other t- one particular day, it was the absolute worst riding conditions I've ever been in. Mm. Um, so it was a, I'm kind of jumping ahead in the story, but it doesn't matter. It was a yeah. driving rain. Um, we knew it was going to be rainy when we left. We were warned about the windy conditions. And we had ridden, earlier in the trip, we had ridden from the south all the way to the north. And because of there was not enough snow melt, our route that we would have taken back was still closed. Mm. So we needed to take almost the same route back, which was about 500 kilometers, which were for some of the European guys, that was a far distance. Uh, <laughs> so that same route would be uh, 60% gravel roads yeah. and off-road, and then, and then at times it would turn to pavement. We started the morning in the rain. We got to those gravel roads. The wind picked up. We had been warned about the wind. Mm. We were dealing with a 70-mile-an-hour crosswind. Oh, yeah. On gravel. On gravel. Wow. And the, uh, we had the bikes. I'm on my bike. It's on a 45-degree angle. I'm hanging off it. And, and there's a lot of choice words spoken, <laughs> right? When the wind would buff it and when the wind would not buff it, it was, I was, please make it, please make it, please make it. Because mm-hmm. I just, and it was, it was really, at the end of it, it was really cool to just tough it out and make it. Uh, but that was the worst riding conditions that I've ever been in. I told I told the other guys I was riding. I was like, when I get back home, my there's going to be a hurricane, and I'm going to turn my buddies and be like, it's great riding weather. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah I want to get into like all the different challenges, but there's another challenge we haven't stated yet. Mm. Jim, if you take a look at his left arm. Ah, okay. So yeah. prior to this trip. So that's not a birthmark. Yes, it is a large, it looks like scar, I'm assuming now, uh, across that most of his forearm. Rogue. If he was going to give you a forearm shiver, so it's that. When, I, when I first saw him, 
It's it's right on the borderline. Like, is that a birthmark? I don't want to mention it. But his arm looks like chopped liver. Dude, I can look at him. I'm like, that's tough biker shit. I'm like, I wonder how long ago he did that. He probably spit his, well, his I mean, street you know, bike at 100 could, miles an hour. We couldn't help ourselves. So, Eventually, we had to ask. So no, when when did that happen? Shit. So that happened at the end of May. <laughs> and he's leaving wow. in July for Iceland. Yeah. That is that is a large Well, do we let's large, hear about that. You can't like show me that nasty huge <clears throat> scar and not get the story. So, um we do a yearly uh trip to um Tennessee, North Carolina area uh, around the Smokies. It's an awesome trip. So, it is the last day that we will ride um I guess ride hard. It's on and at that time we're on pavement. Um, and I have been to this trip many times. Um, so we're riding. It's like last hour, basically on our way back to the lodge, and we will be done mm-hmm. with difficult riding. Um, and like most mishaps on a motorcycle, it's a combination of factors that cause an accident, right? It was 92 that day. Uh, I did not have a abrasive-resistant layer on. Mm-hmm. I only had a uh, he had, he had dirt bike gear on it. Yeah, basically armor, dirt bike armor with a mesh. Yeah, I had a Liat uh, yeah. airframe. Yeah. Liat okay, airframe but that three seems pretty protective to me for impact. It, not I am. Breathing. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> we had just completed some passes. We're gonna take a left-handed turn. Uh, I am looking behind me to make sure the newer rider is he's okay. I have no business looking behind me for that long. <laughs> he's just fine. Um, I miss. Perhaps some debris in the corner. Um, shouldn't have been that big a deal had I, uh, had my attention and focus been where it should have been. Uh, so, going to have a low side. Okay. Mm. Here, I'm only doing about 30 miles an hour. Uh, the bike, I fall onto the left side. Mm-hmm. So, most of my gear does exactly what it's supposed to do. Right? I get big motocross boots, knee braces, uh, armored underwear. I'm good. Cool. So, no no. Uh, no, oh, groin, no groin no check groin needed. Check. No yes. groin check needed. But Megan, I wouldn't have minded a groin check, but no groin check needed. So, uh, so I hit the ground on my left side, and my left elbow took the majority of the impact, um, and my elbow did not shatter. So, as I'm, I do not let go. Many motorcyclists are mm-hmm. sm- more motorcyclists are smarter than I am, and as their bike is sliding go. off, they let go. But I never let go. Because I hold it on. It will slide further than you. Oh, and I just want to yeah. stay with it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! So, yeah, bad instincts. Bad instincts. Mm-hmm. So uh, during the process of sliding along the pavement, my mesh folds up. Eventually, it folds up and takes the elbowed armor oh, really? with it, okay. and then I'm sliding along the ground. Gotcha. Oh. Naked elbow. Um, so finally i come to a stop i'm able to stand up i'm not able to help get my motorcycle off the ground because my arm is bleeding pretty profusely mm-hmm. okay. so dumb oh, bad stupid mistake and of course like the entire time while i'm on my may ride trip even through the off-road sections that i was doing and the on-road sections and the very like the twisty turns it's in the back of my head that i can't get hurt on this may ride <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i can't get hurt and i yeah, and I want to know if that was a factor. You know, there's no way I'm able yeah. to tell, but I know that I was. It was always a shadow on me of I can't get hurt because I had gone down on a may ride before mm-hmm. and I'd gotten a little beat up, but it was just a limp. Whatever you're like jinxing it, like don't jinx it, don't jinx it, don't yeah, jinx yeah, it, and, yeah. then, and then you jinx it. Yeah. Well, it's so, not like end of the day, probably tired and hot, and doesn't take much. No, you know? I, I think it's important to share because actually on my trip to Pakistan, I was like, um, should I take this? My my armor. 
And I ended up like, no, I'm going to buy a, a really vented jacket. I bought a new jacket for that. So I'm glad I did that because, yes, you are right. And that's why I think it's important to share. No, that's good. Because I would have assumed that an armor, because I've done that before. I thought an abrasion. armored dirt bike jacket would hold up pretty. I mean, it, it, it did most of its job, but it could have yeah. been better. Because I thought it would have held up better than it did. It did exactly what it was designed to do, which is prevent you from impact. Yeah, yes. not grind along the asphalt for yeah. right. feet. It's not yeah. really designed right. for that. Yeah. So. Good to know. All right. So did that affect your trip? Or? So I had this arm wound, right? Yeah. And I was like, and I, I got picked up by the ambulance because it was bleeding enough. And we were like, hey, you might as well just go to the hospital. Like, go have them look at it, take an x-ray, get some stitches. So I did that while in North Carolina. They're like, hey, it's not broken. You need some stitches. They stitched it up. Great job. Great job by the medical staff down in North Carolina. Very happy. So cool. Um, my dad happened to be down there with uh, with the truck. So wasn't a big deal. Ran a U-Haul, throw it in the back of it. We'll get back to we'll get back to New York. No problem. But that's not your only injury. But that is not the end of the story, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> but wait, my story gets worse or better uh, depending on how you look at it. Uh, hmm. So my arm began to swell up. Uh, not really great. I uh, contacted my doctor. Due to the state of the way the scheduling works, it's really difficult sometimes to see your doctor when you want to see your doctor. Mm-hmm. Right. So they said it's going to be a two weeks before we get to see you. And I was like, that's preposterous. But according to me, I'm okay. I'm just curious because my road rash was bigger than yours. Did it get stuck to the bed sheets? Uh, I, I covered it every night. Sheet uh. pizza. Yeah, I don't know if my wife would. I remember my wife being waking up and stuck to the sheets, and you have to oh, rip it off. Yeah, it is no a little job. pepperoni yeah. left. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, my arm swelled up, which maybe wouldn't have been that big a deal. Perhaps it was a mistake. Perhaps it wasn't. But I'm in the shower, and I am keeping my arm um, out of the water mm-hmm. and elevated. So I lift my arm over my head. What I didn't know is I probably had a lymphatic clot. Ooh, which was damn. not cool as a result of the and just as a result of, and okay. what i probably needed to do is have a medical professional just tell me how to handle that but i didn't have that at the time so i lifted my arm over my head in the shower and oh. the clot let go <gasps> oh so i felt the f- fluid travel past my neck oh um, and uh, but i didn't know oh. what i was feeling but i was like i don't know what that was yeah um <laughs> And so like Ghostbusters but, or something. <laughs> so yeah, I went I to I went to bed. I laid down. I went to bed, and I woke up the next day, and the swelling was gone. Mm. Now, what I did not know at the time is all of that fluid had to go somewhere, mm. and where it went is in is surrounding right. my oh. left chest cavity. <gasps> and so wow. I went and I slept, and it just sat there. Mm-hmm. So so collab- I continued. Your lung not. Yet. Mm. So I continue to go throughout my week, and um, a f- I had promised a friend of mine that I was going to help her put on a, a roof on there on a house that she had purchased. Mm. So there's going to be a bunch of us. So it was 90 degrees, mm. and I'm out there on a roof that's oh. 45 degree angle, oh, and I'm helping put her put on a roof. And I don't know it yet, but I have um, that the fluid is beginning to compress my left lung. Oh. Um, and I oh. and I am developing pneumonia in both of my lungs. Oh no! Oh, wow. Attention, uh, pneumothorax. Yeah. So yeah. not good. So I begin to feel some discomfort, but I'm not sure what it is. And what I think I'm feeling is a twisted rib. Like, have you ever had a twisted rib? Those suck. But mm. your chiropractor will go and fix you. So yeah. the, those scars, they cut you open and drain the fluid. So I went to the hospital. Oh. So finally, I, I Sunday. 
Now I'm supposed to leave for Iceland, I think, in in four weeks. <laughs> right? In four weeks. So I sit up out of my bed on Monday morning at one something in the morning, and I am in the worst pain in my life. And I can barely talk, and I can only walk at a at a at extremely slow pace. I I never knew that like road rash could turn into yeah. this. Well, I didn't yeah, that was an eye opening experience. Yeah. So I I have to wake my wife up and go and just go hospital, hospital. So oh, wow. we go to the hospital. Jeez, that's scary. So, um, they I didn't get a great diagnosis in the beginning. They said I had mm-hmm. pneumonia and I need to take these pills and breathe into this thing. Oh. Right. So like it's a I forget what they call it, but I called it the torture device because I could barely breathe, right? Mm. Um, and and you'd pull in, and it would measure the volume that you were pulling mm-hmm. in at, right? And at and it has numbers from zero all the way up to yeah. like respirometer, four, yeah, respirometer up yeah. to like four thousand, right? Jim, I'm just thinking it's it's good thing you have a girlfriend living with you now because if this had happened to you and you would hit your spot tracker and I go, oh, he's in his house, he's pooping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. would have ignored it. Dying on the bathroom floor. <laughs> usually when he uses his spot tracker to tell me he's pooping. Yeah, oh, good. Here I am. So, wow. So, um, after three days of that, I'm just sitting in the hospital and I could barely walk. I uh, can, can have a very difficult time talking. Um I have a doctor comes in and looks at me and he's like, he's like, I don't think you have pneumonia. He's like, this is not pneumonia. I'm going to send you for another CAT scan mm-hmm. um, with contrast. And we're going to, he's like, I don't, I don't, this is not what we're, what we're dealing with. So they did that and they came back after, after a real short amount of time. And they said, you have fluid surrounding yeah. your left lung. Mm. Um, your left lung is almost entirely compressed. Yeah. So, Gosh. so that, then they put, um, they put tubes in. Yep, they give you a local. I watch Grey's Anatomy. Yep. I know. Oh, yeah. oh. They give you a local, and then oh, but they slice. But then they got to cut the meat between the ribs and stick their fingers in there and pry it open, and that hurts. And then they oh. stick a tube in, um, and then they shove mm. a tube in there to drain the fluid. So out. they they put the first tube in, and I drained over 500 cc's of fluid um, within the first hour of that being in there, and I had within an hour I had immediate relief. I'm back wow. to talking. Wow. Yeah. I'm back to wow. walking. Right, and so thank goodness. So they took another x-ray and they're like, and even though I had drained all that fluid out, they were like, you lung shows no progress whatsoever. Mm. They just put the air compressor hose in there and <laughs> hold your nose and just give it a good blast. It's like popping the bead on, right? On a tire. Exactly. So at this point, oh, no. I know, I know I'm in the hospital. This is now we're going yeah. on, we're getting on more than a week and i know that my trip is in danger it was yeah. in danger mm. when i fell but i could yeah. i hey it's not broken i'm fine and now my trip's in danger so i'm like we'll put another tube in yeah i'm like my progress is so good put another tube in so they put another tube in in another and, location in an, another ah. location this they is undo the belly button isn't that what yeah. that's for <laughs> just untwirl it <laughs> so um that one didn't really drain that much and the x-rays showed no progress so now they're like, okay, you're going to need surgery. Mm. So now I'm like, oh, now the trip is really in danger. Because yeah. what had happened is the fluid just didn't go into my my mm. chest, chest cavity and compress my lung. It was in between the 
like your your thoracic cavity is kind of yeah. sealed so the the fluid had snuck in like in between the layers that that surround mm-hmm. it so what i had is like little pancake pockets like all over the place oh, wow yeah <laughs> it's like making a wow. croissant with all the butter layers right i don't know i've never made a croissant but sure um so one tube two tubes ten tubes isn't gonna do it mm. right. they gotta go in there get a camera in there Use and kitty then, litter and, Soak uh, it up. Yeah. yeah there you go. I'm with that. Yeah, so so finally uh, they they're like we're going to need surgery. So at that point they scheduled the surgery for the following Tuesday. Mm. And I'm still stuck in the hospital cuz now I got tubes even in my body mm. and I can't just take them out and walk out. So um now I'm like, now my trip is severely in danger. But mm-hmm. it's actually not that invasive, and you can recover pretty quickly, yeah? yeah. He's that got tubes sticking out of yeah, his body. Yeah, but I saw his scars. <laughs> it looks like some madman stabbed him. Ka, 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 ka. So, oh, he's got some so they went, um, so they, once I said uh, they're going to do the surgery, there's no other option. Um, I did sit in my hospital um, alone in the dark and have a have a yeah. nice cry Aww. at the loss Aww. of my trip. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, the odds of, of me being able to do this are they're decreasing daily now. Slim and this is not, this is, yeah. yeah. So I um, had my cry and mm-hmm. was like, okay. But I also committed to it's not a no yet. Right. There wasn't a mm-hmm. no. There's a... Well, are, you, are you asking the doctors? Or are you not telling them you got this trip? And are you not telling the trip that you're having medical problems? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so so the the yeah. hospital yeah. the doctors do not get to know that I would like right. to plan to ride a motorcycle with possibly <laughs> within the next 18 days. Yeah. The Honda does, Honda does not get to know that I have had these injuries because <laughs> we don't want You don't want to send them that selfie view in the hospital with the thumbs up. Yeah, don't want to do that right now. So uh so it was it was good information control and i i even like my mother posted something on her facebook page of like i was like you know he's the, my son's in the hospital and i was like why did you post that oh. <laughs> i was like i was like honda might find that like obviously <laughs> honda wouldn't do that honda's not necessarily gonna care like if if yeah the doctors give you the okay well but. they they might care because you are they're responsible for you over there mm-hmm. so yeah true they do the surgery. They then have to put in two larger tubes than they had before. Mm. So now I have what I had before was like pretty thin tubes. Do you look like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix before he comes out of the pod at this point? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what all this on my left side is. Wow. So um, wow. they finally, they, but once everything was out, I could start my recovery. I was in a lot of pain. Because they went in there and like messed with a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah. they're like, uh, they're like, I was like, how do I? What is the fastest path to recovery? They're like, the fastest path to recovery is actually for you to walk. Mm-hmm. The more you are mm-hmm. walking and using this, the what did you call it before, Scott? The the respirometer. Yes, perfect. Mm-hmm. So the more you do this, and bef- when I was admitted, I could not get to five hundred. So the more you blow, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, life will mm-hmm. suck less the more you blow. I Emma, guess. you would have recovered really fast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I act. I aggressively pursued my recovery. Good for you. And because it wasn't a no yet, eventually I got released from the hospital, and I called the pulmonologist, mm-hmm. and I I said, "Hey, can, can I fly? Yeah, I have to fly for work. Yeah." Part of my job is to fly. <laughs> for work. Can I fly, fly, fly for yeah, work? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, he goes, 
Yes, you should be able to fly because your lung was never collapsed. Uh. It was only mm. compressed. Okay. If your uh. lung was collapsed, they don't want you to fly. Okay. Um, and mm. at this point, when I exited the hospital, I have 10 days before I am due oh, in Iceland. Oh, God. Wow. Okay. Now I want to skip ahead. So, dude, that was some stressful <laughs> weeks before this trip. So now let's get to... All right, you're going. Hell or high. I mean, you were going anyway. Let's just face it. Oh, yeah. You're going. <laughs> were, your, were your injuries bothering you, or was it manageable? Uh, part of my armor kind of like was sitting on one of my surgery sites, yeah. but it wasn't, but I didn't have any problems with breath. Okay, good. And, uh, and I didn't, and I wasn't weak. You know, I could lift yeah. things. I could, I, I was yeah. like, okay, the, you know, I could, like, this is manageable. Hmm. So, cool. Um, cool. So, I was like, I'm going. All right. So now let's get to some of the basics. How many people are on this tour? Honda sent 45 Africa twins over. <laughs> wow. So wow. there is. <laughs> I know, right? So there is 30 riders, riders like I am, who mm-hmm. paid to be there. Um, they Most of them are out of the EU. I am one of two people from North America. I am the only American. And then there is a, a guy whose name is Frankie. He's he's a whole lot of person, and he is from Canada. Mm. But there were some other Americans there, weren't there? Uh, there the um, Dakar rider, uh, mm-hmm. Ricky Brabrick. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm I paying know. attention now. Yeah, uh huh. I yeah, know his cool. coach. He's, and he was one of the three Dakar riders that they yeah. brought in. Oh, yeah, uh, Nacho Corneo mm-hmm. and uh, Adrian Van Buren. <laughs> We're all there yeah. for um, for like the first four days mm-hmm. um, and to join us. And one of the first things that they went with us on is the uh, they had like closed off a dirt track for us to run exercises on, get familiar with the bikes, train us up a little bit. Um, this is what I love about this mm-hmm. that it's not just here you go, boop, bye. Mm-hmm. They bring in some of the best in the world and give them training. We also yeah. like uh, Dave Thorpe, David Thorpe, yeah, uh, who has the. Training school in Europe, um, three-time world champion. Su- Supercross, what was he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They yeah. brought, he was one of the main directors of our thing. He's one of the guys cool. who did our daily briefing. So oh, cool. We had, it's like, we had top-notch people with us. That's cool. And it's actually, it's not as much as a surprise to me as you think, because once you understand mm-hmm. how Honda works, when you're contracted to Honda as a pro works rider, and back in the day when I was with Honda, you know, we had a selection of them on road rider and dirt bike. You're contracted to Honda not just to ride the bike. You're under contract to Honda. So that might involve, mm-hmm. yes, you're going to ride the bike in the Baldor 24-hour race, but you're also going to do this ad on TV. You're going to do this mm-hmm. ad for the newspapers. Mm-hmm. You're going to talk to this group. You're going to do this. It's all part of being under contract hmm. for Honda. Dance but, monkey, dance. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. Well, everyone's getting paid buku yeah. bucks, so it's not bad. But when you're under contract to Honda, and I'm sure Kawasaki and Suzuki are the same, you basically do what they tell you right. because you're well, under contract. Well, you see the MotoGP guys do that all the time too. Right. So. Hey, Bagel, I'm just curious. When they do the Vespa trips like this, do they bring in like um, the pizza delivery guy to give you guys tips? <laughs> Uh, Vespa trips in Iceland. <laughs> so I don't think so. It sounds like Honda's pulling 
all the tricks out. So right away, they're doing some instruction and training. I'm curious to know, like, what are some skills that you gained and you learned right away? What are some things you learned? For the uh, training session, um, most of it was getting used to the bike um, because obviously it's not your bike. Uh, the, the version I had is DCT. It's going to run different. Um, they, it has a lot more modes. Mm-hmm. One of the things they specifically had you do is a fast acceleration and a fast braking exercise mm-hmm. with both the ABS on and the ABS off and the traction control and the on and the traction control off because mm-hmm. they wanted you to understand how those like some of the upgraded electronics that my 2018 mm-hmm. and your guys 2018s may not have mm-hmm. how those are much different on this bike and mm-hmm. how they're going to affect it so that was one of the exercises that uh we had but <coughs> beyond that they also wanted to be able to separate in you into the um, faster group yeah, and like an evaluation the, yeah. yeah and the okay. slower group um, and see if there's going to be people who just required a little bit of extra attention. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so how were your skills going in? Uh, I didn't love how well I rode in the training session. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, oh, wait, and, but, wasn't that you in the video falling over in a corner? Um, no, was that in the training there? Well, yes. <laughs> um, but that wasn't exactly a fall over. Oh, what, what, what was it? Uh, the, our, the last exercise that we had for the day is we were on the closed motocross course. So there's there's some whoops. There's a little hill. There's a uh, you know some left hander, yeah. right handers, right. Some some cool stuff. And it was we had already eaten lunch, and it was my group's last exercise to run. Um, so we start going through it. Everything's cool. It's also the exercise where the HRC riders, the yeah. the uh, the the car rider guys are with yeah. us, and they're they're giving us pointers and and stuff. So practically our first loop. I got ran into. Oh, that's right. Oh, you said that you got ran no. into. So, uh, yeah, this has never happened to me before. Um, you weren't was, going fast enough. I was, yeah, apparently not. <laughs> um, I was going, uh, it's the big hill. Hit that triple. It's the big hill, and then you make a left. Um, and I didn't want to go flying off the hill and not make the left. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, I felt I took it at a fine speed, start making start making the left, and then what enters my vision first, I feel like a very strong hit, but I'm not sure what's happening yet. What I see first enter my vision is my license plate and my rear direction is tumbleweed past me. Oh, that's right. awesome. That is awesome. So while I now at this point I'm slowly going down and I and uh, the realization of something <laughs> is happening to me is yes. slowly taking place and a bike comes into frame sliding in the dirt oh no and then a rider comes into frame sliding in the dirt he let rolling. go he let go yeah he let go <laughs> rolling and he's going I'm sorry I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then the realization hits me I'm like oh my god I've just been hit so I fall over it like. And it was faster, but I'm okay. We both get up, and he runs him over to me, and he and he is immediately extremely apologetic, and um, and I, he's like, "Are you hurt?" And I was like, "I no," and I'm like, "Are you hurt?" And he's like, "No," and he has no idea that I've already been injured. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So, do you just stand up and snap your fingers, and a new bike appears? Uh. We so we in the video in the in yeah. the first YouTube video you can actually see he and I like hug it out yeah and while and while <laughs> other people like help pick up our bikes mm. and so they they brought us to the side it wasn't a like they were like the mechanics looked at it they're like you feel okay and I was <laughs> like yeah I'm, I and at this point I I'm kind of I I'm very conflicted yeah 
I know I'm I feel okay, but something else just happened to me that I wasn't anticipating. That's never happened to me before. Mm-hmm. And this is what I really didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I needed I really didn't want to fall over and hurt myself again. Yeah, but yeah. you're coming on an adventure ride. That's part of the program, yeah. right? I mean, I'm sure almost everyone uh, did it. A lot of people fall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not all of us were able to finish riding. Hmm. So, oh. Oh. so wow. the mechanics looked at the bikes. They were like, you guys are good. You're going to head back out there? You feel okay? And I was like, yeah, we feel fine. And... I stayed friends with that guy. That guy is a very talented off-road motorcyclist. Mm-hmm. You know, mistakes happen, accidents happen. He thinks that as he came over the hill, he was a little too hot. He landed, maybe possibly a throttle blip, mm-hmm. and and just boom, mm-hmm. and got away from him. He not enough space cushion, but uh, he's definitely a very talented motorcyclist. And I love the hell out of that guy. I have his number. I'll go visit him in the UK sometime. So, other than right. the seventy mile an hour winds and the rain. I want to know some of the other challenges that you encountered because um, from what I've seen and heard from people who've been there, so there's a lot of water. So you have like water crossings. uh, You're dealing with a lot of mud. So what were some of the challenges? So one of the videos that they sent you before you decided to go, they're like, hey, you've you've been invited. Watch this video. It covers the terrain challenges that you will see and the – Presenters like, you know, you'll be riding along and the terrain can be extremely varied. You'll go through hard pack gravel to deep gravel to deep sand and then back to any of the mm-hmm. other terrains. And I watched the video and I was like, okay, sure. And then the, our, <clears throat> our day two of riding, we traveled to this area called Hecla. Now, Hecla is a volcanic area that has a lot of varied terrain around it. It also was, I think it erupted in 2000 and shut down a lot of airline mm, flights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're riding through Hecla, and it's pretty cool. It's like it is our first real off-ride riding day. Mm-hmm. There's At some parts, there's, like, there's moss, there's plants. You're following along. It's really cool. There's nothing else out there. And then that'll kind of go away as you get closer to the more volcanic area, and there'll be the, the, the varied forms of gravel. But I had yet to get to the deep sand. And then I'm riding, and and then all of a sudden, the bike is very unstable very quickly. Yeah. Right? And I was like, whoa, what was that? And I didn't have time to react. So, like, nothing happened, and I just kept going. Mm-hmm. But that was the deep sand. And that video where they said it can come up on you extremely quickly mm-hmm. is absolutely 100% accurate. Oh, is the sand black? Oh yes. So that so you don't Ooh, see it. Yeah, yeah, cool. So you you will, keep an eye out for it though. After that, <laughs> you, you, the, I fell over. I think almost every single day. Yeah. Almost every single day, yeah. and almost every single day, it was due to deep sand. Now, I didn't have. I had like this great training regimen that I was going to do before my trip because I knew that deep sand was was mm-hmm. one of the talents that I was severely lacking, having not really oh, you had... You should go riding with Jim. He loves sand. Yeah, I'll show you how to, how to ride bad in sand. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I didn't get a chance to do that because instead I stayed in the hospital. What? You know, I was in the hospital oh, for two right, weeks. Right, right, I was right. supposed to be training. training. Yeah, beforehand. So, um, it was primarily in deep sand, but you do get very good at looking for it yeah. because you start to... I just start to really identify. So that whole area, that Hecla area, that was profoundly a big learning curve because it, the terrain is that varied. Mm-hmm. Within a very short amount of time, you can be on hard packed gravel to deep sand to yeah. you know. Now you're taking turns on on uh, much deeper gravel. Mm-hmm. So 
It's it sometimes it looks exactly like you're riding on the surface of the moon. You know, it's good training though in the sense that expect the unexpected. Remember yeah. that in the old Brady Bunch? But um, <laughs> you know that you know riding dirt bikes that um the unexpected things are going to come up all the time and then when you but when you kind of mentally prepare yourself for that when it does happen you're a little bit more ready. But yeah, I know when so, you cuz when you start looking at sand that takes you out, you start looking real hard for where is that well, sand? Is. And I'm thinking too the level of riders on this cuz they asked some people to send a video to kind of show their riding ability. Huh. So they want to make sure that you're already a capable rider, not necessarily a competitor or anything, but mm. a capable rider. You're probably moving at a pretty quick pace. I'm guessing. And from the videos, everyone's hauling ass down these roads. There were two different... They did separate us into... Eventually, it was two different groups. So, um, I was in the slower group. um, And there were people who um, were in the faster group who definitely had, like, dirt bike racing experience. Yeah. And, like, they they own betas. They own their own dirt bikes. They own all the... Like, you did this when you were little, didn't you? Oh, yeah. 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 So... um, Eventually, some of the guys that were in group one would filter back to group two, and the top six guys in group two, of which I was in, they would they, those guys were like, oh, there's really not that significant difference in speed. Mm-hmm. So each of the top groups, I would say there, there was a big difference. Like those mm-hmm. guys were doing, they're doing yeah. 90 miles an hour in the gravel. Yeah. You know, where yeah. uh, the, the group two, we're not doing quite 90. Yeah. We're doing less than that. Um, well, but, you watch the yeah, way those people like we talked about Ricky Brabeck, the way those guys ride in the sand but, is just wide open. Yeah. But I mean, exactly. nevertheless, it was a trip that an experienced rider should take. I mean, you already said you've done a decade on your 919 before you even got your Africa twin. So you're an experienced motorcyclist. Um, you wouldn't want to do this trip as a, as a novice. No, absolutely not. Right. No. So I'm curious, did you get wet at all? Oh, did I? <laughs> and it wasn't the rain. <laughs> it wasn't oozing out your orifice, was it? <laughs> Thankfully not. Uh, the So they did, uh, Honda gave you a whole app where you could look at and you could see the route. You could see uh, oh, cool. what the lodging would be. They even showed you what your dinner would be. Oh, that was my next question. <laughs> I want to hear about the food. Oh, so, yeah. Did you eat whale? No. Okay. So uh, at least not to my knowledge. <laughs> did you get the fermented shark? Uh, no, I was warned against that, but and it wasn't. It wasn't to my knowledge. It wasn't offered. Um, so, one of the routes says like this is going to be a big water crossing day. Mm. So, and boy, were they right! Cool. So you you started off gravel, 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 and then you got to a big water crossing, and they had like they'll have a big rope across it um, that is out, out there, so people know like the, the, the path, kind of the path to yeah. take. Um, okay. Even cars will use this path because it's the shallowest path. Damn. So they had uh, Honda had their support people as well as some of the uh, Dakar guys in the water mm-hmm. standing wow. to come help you. Like some of the support guys were in full waders waiting to help you. Yeah. So they know. Like, they know. Yeah. So everybody tried going through um, <clears throat> and. Not a, the in the the first one it was the longest and deepest and I don't know why we started with that one. <laughs> there were two others subsequent because they know. Yeah, it'll weed them out quick. Uh, there were subsequent water crossings that weren't nearly as deep and weren't nearly as long, but the first one was long how, and it was deep. deep. Uh, you are definitely going um, to your thigh. No, oh, wow, you're going. Mm. Yeah, so wow. Um, and you're probably going to fall over because there's big rocks. 
And when you hit oh, them, man. you hit them, you don't know where they I are. Mean, where's the intake on an African twin? So it's higher it's than your knee. Well, yeah, it must be. It's yeah. under the seat, yeah, 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 but still, that's where it gets scary. Yeah. So uh, the group one, group one starts going through, and you start seeing people, boom, they hit a rock. Some of them are able to mm-hmm. manipulate around it. Mm-hmm. Um, the best technique I saw is once you hit something big, you drop your legs down and you duck walk it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just to keep give, going. Your, give yourself the stability. Uh, and uh, I didn't learn that yet. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so other people fell over. The support staff's there. They'll either stop you from falling over mm-hmm. or they'll help you pick the bike back up, get you back on the bike, and, and help you get going again so you mm-hmm. get through it. So uh, I have the illustrious number of falling over the most times in that particular ah. river. Thank you very much. Is the well water done. cold? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's glacial <laughs> fed. Yeah. Freaking ice. And, and, and uh, how did your waterproof gear do? Submerged? Yeah, how did your boots do? <laughs> oh, it, uh, it was perfect. I had all, I contained all the water. Yeah, it all stayed right in there, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that cold is good for fighting inflammation, I too. I could have helped the fish migrate on that trip, okay? So... <laughs> I uh, I fell over three times in that same river, mm-hmm. so just well. Then you got to start in the river. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. fall over and start in the river again. Yep. Yeah. So not great for me um, on that thing. Yeah. Um, but how cool to have people like there to help pick it up. I mean, yeah. the learning curve that's pretty steep. I mean, in a good, yeah. kind of sketchy, but still good way so to if learn. You I watch, guess. If you watch the YouTube video number three for Hunt Adventure Rose, you will it will see me speaking about my experience on that okay. particular river. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to do. You you understand that those bikes can go through that deep of water. In the uh, video, it's really cool. If you watch, they, they put a camera underwater. So you're seeing the wheels go no. by underwater. Oh, okay. It's That's beautiful. Cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really well shot. Yeah, on that, on that, that comment you just made, AJ, about you understand what the bikes can do, would you consider yourself a brand ambassador for Africa Twin before and after this? And do you think that was their intent? I think it was. Uh, I th- uh, one of the reasons why they brought that that film crew out is to make marketing material yeah. for oh, the Africa yeah. Twin, and so that so they get a bunch of people now who have had this experience on these Africa Twins, where we can say, "Hey, I, for nine days, mm-hmm. I took this bike into conditions that people say the Africa Twin wasn't designed to make it for, and it performs." Well, and Jim, you've been rediscovering your bike, and you said just last week, it is a big dirt bike. It is capable. Yeah, I think if you maybe you found the same thing. If you ride it like, I mean, you have, you've only ridden a giant dirt bike, so you don't mean that no different. But, but if you ride it like a dirt bike, it just rides like a dirt bike. If you see, you know, uphill challenging ruddy stuff with, with rocks and you just look at the top and stay on the throttle, it goes. But it just, it takes a little more commitment to do the stuff on a big, heavy you know, thousand cc dirt so, bike, but it, I, I think it's utterly capable as a dirt bike. So, Anthony, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is more capable, the Africa Twin or the GS twelve fifty? I'm gonna have to say the Africa Twin. Yeah, good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's the Africa Twin show. Well, but they're different bikes. They're kind of different bikes. And, I would and say. Uh, what what gives you that opinion? Um, AJ. <laughs> yeah. So, AJ, what do you think? What do you? How do you compare the two? Uh, I would say the Africa Twin is by far the better off road motorcycle. Boom. But the BMW is more capable all around bike. That's the trade off. No, 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 no. no, it's just capable more. It's more better on pavement. <clears throat> one is better off road, and one is better on mm. pavement. I, I can't stop myself from asking Ooh. this question. But heading for the MOA, <laughs> the the range of light this weekend, where it's going to be a bunch of let's say older gentlemen on BMWs. Mm-hmm. What was the oldest person on your trip? Ooh, good question. Uh, they're one of the um, instructors. Um, was named his 
I don't know his his full name, but I called him Eric the Frenchman. He is definitely a gentleman who is probably in his 70s. And he was one of our riding guides. He had been on every single Honda Adventure roads, and he rode amazing. Mm, cool. He was he was on an Adventure Sports DCT, and he just he, he couldn't be stopped. Yeah. So Rob Glass, awesome. who teaches for I, Rawhide, and was at the 49ers this spring. I mean, he's he's getting up there in years. He's certainly got some years on me, but he kicked all of our butts. But um, I think the weakness of the Africa Twin, which I believe they've rectified for the street. <clears throat> And the advantage of the GS. The GS has a far smaller front wheel. It's got a 19-inch front mm. wheel, which is disadvantageous in the dirt, but it makes it a far more stable platform on the street. I think all of you Africa twin owners grumble about how your bike gets at 90-plus on the street, and it's all down to that 21-inch front yeah. wheel. Yep. And the new ones, I want to say, I think the 22s have got a 19 I think they've gone down, which is going to make it. You know, I was telling you like a minute ago, the new ones they look so they look like a Tenere seven hundred. So maybe yeah, no, they I think it's got that. the smaller front wheel I, I to make yeah. it more stable at very high speed on the freeway, yeah. which is where the GS shines. Yeah, the GS is great at uh, front wheel at any yeah. speed on the freeway, yeah. or even in the twisties. I mean, I, I there's no way I could keep up with the GS and the twisties in the Santa Cruz Mountains mm-hmm. on right. the African yeah. twin. But, I but think, it's the front wheel. Like I yeah. think they rectified that and they took yeah. that compromise because you want it. You know, you you want a big diameter hoop when you're in the dirt right mm-hmm. because 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 but you know the super 10s never had a 21 inch front wheel it's mm-hmm. always been 19 and so. i don't want anyone to just make the assumption that this was an all-male group because it wasn't was it girls too i didn't well, they had uh they invited one female rider vanessa ruck mm-hmm. how'd she do uh she was in group one uh, and and she wrote she wrote really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does have off road chops, so it's not it's not just like Instagram fame. She yeah. is an actual writer. She does she did really well. Um, one of the the other guys um, that I was hanging around with rode with her. She was also at sometimes part of our little dinner crew that we eventually mm-hmm. had. So. Um, She's got the chops. Before we talk about food, I have to comment how much I love those leather pants you got, Emma. I'm so <laughs> glad you got those. Thank you, darling. Yes, yeah. and I saw you on the Harley today. Uh, but what was the most challenging riding that you did? Like the most technical kind of stuff, and how'd the bike do there? Uh, it kind of all coalesced into one day, and parts of that day were my favorite. Um, the morning was not my favorite because those were the deep water crossings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did eventually. Tough way to start the day. <laughs> yeah, tough way to start the day. But uh, then. We were riding through sections where we found um, it was extremely rocky, like mm. um, and big rocks. Uh, it, it would it would be kind of little rocks, hard pack rocks, mm. and then you'd get into a section where it was much bigger rocks, <laughs> and and where you're then kind of bouncing around, mm-hmm. like and the baby head t- stuff. And then we took a wrong turn, and then we ended up in baby heads. Ah, yeah, and that uh, was some rough stuff. Yeah, but it was, but it's it was cool. Because if you you got up on the pegs, yep. you focused up, and you you weren't even going that fast, but that bike went up, just went twenty one inch front wheel, just went through it, and then we ended up going, th- we ended up getting back on track, and we ended up going through a section where we entered into a national forest, and this was like my absolute favorite part. Mm-hmm. It had to be gorgeous. Is uh, not only were you on gravel and you're going up, and the turns got a little tighter, but now you're riding on top of cooled lava flows. Oh wow! They just and and it's tight technical stuff, and it was just one of the coolest sections. It didn't last. Was it chunky or glassy? What was the like the? 
like you'd be you'd be in gravel, uh-huh. right? Like semi deep, nothing not nothing too bad. It'd be a sharp corner, and then you'd go up onto the, like the 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 d- darker uh-huh. pool, and then you'd running on it, and it was just wow. it was just cool. It's like paved by lava. Yeah, yeah. it was like yeah, paved was by cool. lava, and then sections were were older and got more eroded so it'd be more ruddy so you had to be you know right. you, had to, oh. you know you know once it gets technical and, and that's so it doesn't sound like something you want to fall on either <laughs> so I, I want to ask you about dct you write a dct at home and you you requested the dct do you feel that uh on terrain like this it's an advantage or disadvantage uh i feel like it in the technical stuff then it's an advantage. Yeah. Sometimes when you're going through deep sand, I don't know if it would have been an advantage or not. Not sure because I never had the experience of trying to take a manual through the deep sand. Mm-hmm. In general, I prefer riding off-road DCT Africa yeah. Twin. Take away one of the things I have to worry about. Am I in the yeah. right gear? Probably. If I'm not, I got a plus or minus. It's instantaneous. I'm. I have the the expected power when I ha- when I need it. So. Well, feather, feathering the clutch on that big bike in difficult terrain takes a lot of your brain up. You're using a lot of brain power feathering mm-hmm. the clutch and that stuff. When I rode, like we were talking earlier, when I rode Liza's, all of a sudden you're looking at you're like, wow, it's pretty out here. You know, you're not like freaking out. <laughs> yeah, for you know, me, you're just your balance. Balance yeah. and direction is, yeah. is all you're thinking about. That was what I thought about in the GS in that Rawhide class at mm-hmm. 49ers this spring, is you got a lot of clutch control to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty much, you fo- anyway, you focus on that a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what percentage of the people chose DCT. Do you have any idea? Uh, it was less than half. Oh, okay. But a lot of these guys... I, that's more than I expected. Me too, yeah. A lot of these guys were um, very accomplished off-road motorcyclists. So, mm-hmm. And, and what, are, what did they think? Because a lot of them think it's the devil's work. Uh, <laughs> a lot of them uh, could understand what, yeah. the, what the positive points were. Um, even the, the three Dakar guys, Honda didn't give them manual bikes. Oh, oh. Man, they they stuck it to that him. That was intentional. <laughs> they, they wanted manual bikes. Well, yeah, well, they, they want to see pe- the, the those guys riding those bikes you know, for to yeah. sell bikes, right? How true it is. Mm. I've I've heard that the DCT is a harder sell, certainly in England, maybe in other parts of Europe, than it is here in America, because you know a lot of people are very dyed in their ways, aren't they? Yeah. You know, oh, I want to ride you know, manual. So. Um, when I went to buy my Africa Twin, I asked the dealership in New York, what's the percentage? And they turned to me and said, 50%. Oh, wow. I would have guessed right. like 10. 50% DCT, 50% you know, may, not. Maybe it's evolved. Maybe hmm. since it first came out, maybe people, more people wanted well, up know, to it. Well, you know, people figure out because it, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I so think good. once you get over the fact that... Automatic transmissions in bikes, and, you know, remember, Honda kind of pioneered that as well with Motor Guzzi back in the 70s. But, you know, it's like an old General Motors, you know, automatic transmission. You know, like the CB450A, the yeah, Honda Yeah, it was Honda always Matic. always yeah. in the wrong gear, Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, well, even but a DCT is nothing like that. I always say it's like there's this magical little Japanese engineer so, guy in your engine just changing gears for you. AJ and I had both rented the same um, automatic um, uh, Africa Twin back on the on the May ride. What a few years before you bought yours? Mm-hmm. Was it like a year? One year. And One year. They're and just boom. magical. Yeah, it totally worked. And I'd driven an FJR automatic, FJR 13 uh, automatic in the city. 
up here and very you know it was hard to know when it was going to pick up when you lean that bike over for a u-turn it's like i don't know where to where it's going to stand back up for me but that wasn't the case with the with the honda yeah it's it's a very very different setup well since we're talking about it emma you want to talk a little bit deeper about it because you know we're experiencing these these africa twins that do these amazing things but no the africa twins been a long history well it's not i mean it's long and it's not long so I'll do a brief history hole and we need to go back to we'll start at the beginning actually which is for the Africa twin it's really the late 70s and Honda had introduced the CX500 the plastic maggot yeah. as a 500cc V twin and in its day when it was new in 1977. I mean, it was technological marvel. But people were grumbling that it was quite heavy. And Honda realized, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a big, heavy bike. And what we're going to do is we're going to make a lighter version of it. And they wanted a 500cc platform. They wanted it to be a V-twin because of power cat- characteristics. So in 82... They came out with the VT500, the Euro, and it was launched in, in Europe first. And it was a delightful little thing. 500cc V-twin, but unlike the CX, which went across the frame, it was fore and aft like a Harley-Davidson. And it had a three-valve head, which basically means you had one big exhaust valve and two intake valves. Mm-hmm. And they, it had this thing called Honda's pent roof combustion chamber. And a pent roof, it's a technical term for anything... Mm-hmm with a multi-valve, but it was a very, very clever design. It made good power. And that was really the genesis of this very, very compact V-twin engine that made good power. I mean, in a 500cc bike, it made 50 horsepower, which doesn't sound like much now, but back in 82, that was quite a lot. And very good power characteristics, very torquey, and it was easily adaptable to chain to... What do you got there, Liza? Have you got... There it is. Well, no, that you've gone straight to the Africa Twin. Yeah. But it was adaptable for chain. It was adaptable for shaft. It's very, very adaptable engine. Right around that time, so now we're talking the early 80s, there was this little race going on from Paris to Dakar in India, in Africa. And the bikes were always a big part of it from the very first year, which we remember was 77, no, 79. 78, uh, well, 79, first year they ran it. Yes. But 78 is when they announced it. Right. And bikes were always a big part of it. And the early bikes were dirt bikes only. I mean, um, TT500 Yamaha's really dominated. But by the mid-80s, Honda was starting to come up with a couple of dirt bikes that based on the XT um, platform. They were really doing quite well. And I wanted to celebrate this. Now, Yamaha had already cashed in the, on, on this by coming out with the Tenere, which was based at least in part on how the Paris-Dakar bikes looked. And there was a very particular look to these Paris-Dakar bikes, it was obviously a dirt bike. It had a larger fuel tank. It was a bigger bike. It was a rangier bike. And it just so happened that they were very, very handsome-looking bikes. And they usually had twin headlights in the front. It's yeah, very impressive-looking We looked it up the bike. first year, like the most common bike 
there was the, I believe, Yamaha XT500. The XT and the TT500. The yeah. double headlights and everything. But it's a dirt bike under there. Right. But a very impressive looking bike. So Honda, and this would have been 86, Honda decided we're going to try a road going but competition based version of a Paris Dakar bike. And we're going to use that 500cc engine as a platform, but we're going to punch it out to 650. So the first XLV 650s came out. They only lasted a couple of years. And they were really quite a special bike. I mean, it was um, done by Honda Racing. It was very, very expensive. It was a very, very limited market bike. Not entirely successful, so what Honda thought was, let's make this a little more mainstream or even a little more wacky. And so for 1989, for the 1990-year model, they punched it out again. It's basically this same 500cc engine. Now they punched it out to 750. It had the same three valve heads, single exhaust valve, twin intakes. XLV 750, which is the first of the Africa twins as we know them. And it was an amazing bike, huge thing. I remember pulling these, there it is. I remember pulling these things out of the crates and they were giants, mm -hmm. absolute giants, easily as big as the current generation. Eliza, let me see. Um, and it was very much styled on the Paris-Dakar lines. It had a giant fuel tank, very, very tall suspension, twin headlights, which was really the trademark of it. 92, they put a trip computer on it, which was a very sophisticated piece of kit. And it really, it didn't spawn the adventure bike generation, but it certainly was one of the earlier versions of an adventure bike. But Emma, you told me something fascinating. Yes. That if we go back even further, the roots of the early Africa twin, what it came out of. And it's something you wouldn't expect. Well, you can buy you can buy a legacy of the Africa Twin engine today, and it's not what you think it is. Hmm. Every time you go into a Honda dealer and you see the humble Honda VT750 Shadow, mm -hmm. that's the basis. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's really? basically what the Africa Twin engine has become. And that VT750 Shadow engine is the same. V-twin, 742cc, three-valve head, single exhaust valve. And they hmm. change it around a little bit. You know, they change the angle, but it's the same basic engine. So does that also go for the VT500? Yeah, but I mean... Do you know what the VT500 you can find in, Chance? Well, Ascot, yeah. There you go. Yeah. You can draw a line from the Ascot. Isn't that funny? To the Africa Twin. Isn't that funny? So why did they end up... Oh, I'm jumping ahead to the parallel. Yeah. Well, it lasted... I mean, it wasn't exactly a short-lived bike, but it was never a good seller in America. You could... Up until 2003, you could buy an XLV 750. But towards the end... I mean, the 90s were really the heyday for it. Um, I want that. I want the old... Looks cool. So why did they end up going to it? Why did they get away from the, v, uh, the V-Twin? Why did they go back to Parallel Twin? Well, the new ones? Yeah. That's a very, very good question. Because the one thing I really like about like the KTMs with the V is it's so much narrower. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the t- your your legs aren't way out. It's I th- so much I more mean, nimble. Feeling. I have I have my suspicions, and I mean, you really don't know what drives the designers. I mean, you have a list of criteria that you've got to meet. You've got to meet certain power characteristics. You've got to meet certain. Um, mile per gallon characteristics and of course emission characteristics as well i i always think that when a new bike comes out they always set their sights on the existing champion and Mm. this is who we're going to go after and the existing champion is super tenere Mm -hmm. yeah and that's they had firmly had the super 10 in their sights and the super 10's a parallel twin Mm mm-hmm yeah, just curious. And, you know, back then they didn't really have... I mean, I suppose they could have used one of the bigger platforms for the for the Cruiser V-Twins. But, you know, the... If I think about it, if you wanted to be true to the original V-Twin and you used a bigger version of, like, a Cruiser V-Twin, they're not exactly powerhouses now. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have been hard to get the power out of it hmm. it would have been a major redesign i think they just started from scratch and who knows maybe they had the dct idea from oh, from the beginning from the beginning and, with and just the way the transmission yeah, was laid okay, out they didn't sure. have enough real estate to include a v-twin right. you know there's a lot of things a going on things. here that we probably don't know about yeah. but i suspect you know going after the super 10 is a mm-hmm. big part of it um but yeah XLV750. And remember, this is the early 90s. These things came in just some batshit crazy colors. <laughs> I mean, Liza, <laughs> Liza pulled up the red, white, and blue one, which was easily the most conventional. <clears throat> but the, I think for 94, they did the jungle paint scheme, which was like brown and green and gold and had giant palm leaves on the tank it was just nuts wow i think honda took some of they won the dakar with that designer bike yeah they did and i mean obviously it was a hugely modified bike and that's something important for people to realize it's you know it's the whole you win on sunday sell on monday thing it resembled the xlv 750 but an xlv 750 racer had nothing in common with the street version Mm. everything was lighter Everything was just tuned to perfection. But it showed the strength of the platform and it showed the commitment that Honda mm-hmm. had to these bikes. My opinion, in the early 90s, it was by far the most handsome bike you could mm-hmm. buy. They're amazing, but they were big. Mm-hmm. And it even now, I saw one um, at a motorcycle museum recently on the trip I was on. And it takes your breath away, just the sheer real estate of them. They are a big bike, even compared with the modern ones. Well, especially with the big like, tank and that little fairing windshield stuff on the front. And, and it's, you know, and it's, sp- and it's styled big as yeah. well. There's nothing, there's nothing subtle about the design of an XLV. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, very purposeful they bike. purpose built. Yeah. Um, but I remember them very, very fondly. And interestingly enough, they're very, very revered by collectors now. I mean, it's hmm. it's considered a very, very good bike. When well, you're seeing the twin headlight coming back now and some new modern designs, right? The two round Tiger headlights. Has it, yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Thank you, Emma, for that. I, well, lo- I that love that. That was good. The, I, that was a good one. I know, right? So, uh, AJ, I want to ask you uh, a couple things. First of all, um, 
by the time you were done with this trip and just reflecting on everything you learned, like um, what was the the biggest things that you learned and that helped you become a better rider through this? Well, I certainly gained uh, a lot of experience in riding in deep sand. Uh, so, yeah. and a lot of it was, um, it is a pretty bad idea to roll off the throttle once you realize oh, that absolutely. you're in deep sand. <laughs> because then you're transferring the weight yeah. forward, and yeah. then things get really weird. Do you yeah. use the shake your butt method? Uh, I don't know what that is. Oh. Or the toe tapper, oh, people the call toe, it too. Yeah, toe tapper. Oh, we'll have to teach you that. we got to come okay. back next time. Oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're riding in the sand, you shake your butt. Because doesn't that help well, there, 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 you find the balance? You know, Scott references rawhide a lot. So it's two things. Jocelyn yeah. says when you're up on the pegs in the sand, you shake your butt and it balances out the bike. They teach a rawhide. You, just, you, you tap the pegs back and forth. But basically, you just kind of wiggle your butt when you're up in the air and it seems to help. But I tell you what, after riding through deep sand, everything else is easier, isn't it? <laughs> you're like, oh, it's all easy now. <laughs> I mean, it, it yeah. must be because our Icelandic guides were like, oh, we, we love riding in deep sand. I was like, you do? And Nobody like, Absolutely. Like, deep sand with, lying. with dark rocks hidden in it. <laughs> yeah. That's what we love to ride. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Um, and Jim, you asked about food. I'm guessing you want to know what weird stuff he ate. Not weird, but I, I mean, so I know it's a, it's a vacation destination, right? There, it's a touristy place. It looks beautiful. Yeah. All the stories I hear are great. But how was the food? Like, what did you eat? What were some good stuff? What was the typical? Uh, the food it was amazing. Um, I, I can't remember every meal that we had, but yeah. I did not. Ha- I did not share one bad meal. Mm-hmm. Um, the primarily their source of protein is going to be either fish or sheep. Hmm. Um, that's what they primarily uh, raise in Iceland. Not um, bad. Mutton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did have one of the. I did have salmon smoked the traditional way. Uh, as we were eating it, we were in told a whale that, carcass. Well, oh. uh, nope, it is smoked in sheep shit. Oh no! Really? Wow. <laughs> so, right. oh. yeah. How was it? Glad uh, I asked. Having not, I'm not even a fan of. Salmon smoked uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but it really wasn't bad. It wasn't any worse or any bad than any other time I, I, I've had. Uh, that's cool. Uh, the food was absolutely awesome. amazing. Did you get into a hot hot spring? I did get into a hot yeah. spring. Nice, yep. nice. So, and I want to know what is your next adventure? Once you do something like this, right? like that's trip of a lifetime. Not well, it is for this year. What's what's next? Uh, so. Um, I asked uh, a lot of questions. Well, what's next? I would really like to know if I'm going to get invited back. You want to go back? Oh, yeah. Not so, necessarily to Iceland. Um, did they announce next year's location? Well, it's every two years. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So okay. they actually, they had you fill out like a, an end questionnaire, yeah. and you could say, where would you like to ride? Ooh. So some of the people put South America. Some of the other some of the other people said other places. I personally put Mongolia. Oh yeah! Oh nice. wow! Jim out there. Jim, you got any interest? I mean, always. I mean, so Utah would have been a little bit easier, but I also, <laughs> I also Wyoming maybe. I asked them, um, are, "Is this going to be available for riders in North America?" And they said, we're not sure what we're going to do. This was a litmus, mm. a litmus test mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And, um, and it was the first time they had that many riders. Mm. What they have figured out, they told me, is that it takes a lot of work to set the trip up. But once the trip and the routes are set, they might be able to run it multiple times. Mm. So they're not sure what they're going to do. They're not sure where it's going to be. They know that they're doing another one. Um, they know it's wow. going to be Africa Twins. Um, they did allude to a model that's going to be produced that's going to be not 
that's going to be right. the younger like sibling. The so cool. that yeah. stuff's out there. Yeah. Um, so where does my next adventure um, take place? Depends on what I learn from Honda Adventure Roads. Yeah. Uh, they, while I was riding, I ended up um, almost day one. I was I started following like two guys, and I was like, oh, these guys are are accelerating where I would accelerate, braking when I would brake. This seems pretty cool. So when we finally stopped, I was like, "Hey, I'm riding with you guys because I obviously I don't know anyone." Right. Uh, and they're 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 two German guys, and one of the German guys' name is Guido. And I was like, "All right." And he and I just <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. I, okay, didn't see that one coming. Yeah, no, neither no, did no, I. Like, so jingle he, he, like, or something. He, he ended up being like he and I rode like consistently day after day together, and I was like, "This is really working out. This is cool." Um, he. I ended up falling over in the sand, so he went ahead um, one day, um, and he was really grooving, and he grooved a little too much, mm. and he grooved in deep sand, and he had a bad oh. get off. Mm. Oh, so he, he didn't ride for two days, Oof. and then rode again at the end of the day. But he had to be very careful and not do too much off road stuff. So he's thinking about mm. doing a redemption ride mm. back cool. in Iceland, and I'm uh, I don't know. That could be very exciting. My trips that I have yet to do is. Ride my motorcycle to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm. <clears throat> yeah I like highly recommend too. it. Yeah, <laughs> Jim. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to uh, it's HondaAdventureRoads.com. Yes, and click on register your interest. That's it. Then you know, they will inform yeah, yeah. you when it's happening and what to do. You, I think this is made for you. You, you think it'll help if I attach a dick pic? Oh, oh absolutely. Well, wait a minute. But somebody else. Who's here. Dick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Henry's. Henry, yeah. Oh, groin check. Henry's packing heat. That's, that's his new nickname. Groin check. <laughs> I just want to groin say. check, Henry. So I just He's the to, most handsome guy around no, here. No, no, no. We call him handsome, Henry. I want to say something about Henry. So as part of the training, I you know, I had to feel his chest mm. to make sure he was breathing equally on both sides because apparently that's the thing. Hmm. And Henry is ripped. I don't doubt that. Oh my god! He it looks is like, like a superhero. No, there's no give on him Apparently at all. Apparently, if you tickle the unconscious victim, they'll suddenly come to life. Uh, oh, that's the key. That is the key. He's also 25, so fuck no, him. I think he was <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, I am. I am absolutely convinced he was a Power Ranger without any doubt oh, at all. I totally. Because he is absolutely. There is no oh, squishy bits oh, on that him at all. That explains the yellow spandex. There you go. I can see him saving a kitten right now. Actually. No, I think he All probably right. would. He's a great guy. Right. I love him. We love him. Um, and for anyone else who's interested, if you're a Honda Africa twin rider. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. Uh, especially if you're in Europe. <laughs> you have a better shot. You definitely should. When, I'll do it. I'll when totally I was looking it. into this, like Jim, so I was like, fun. this is up your alley. Oh. And to get that kind of training. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Not have to be around those uppity-ass BMW guys all day. Right. Ooh. It's tough. I'm just kidding. Oh, Best training wow. I ever got was from BMW. Personally. Well, that sounds like a great tour. I really appreciate you sharing your story. And, and man, I can't believe your persistence got you in, too. Because, again, none of us have heard of this. Uh, did you guys talk about how long he'd been riding? Yeah. You, this is your first adventure bike. Yeah. It's his first dirt bike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like riding dirt anyway. Very yeah, but he's, he's yeah. ridden a 919 oh, that's for a true. decade. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not an inexperienced rider. True. all that training under the expert tutelage of Quarter at May Ride. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're a hardcore adventure rider, 
like some of our listeners, this is a trip for you. And if you're just a candy ass, want to sleep in a warm bed every night and ride some you easy can, roads, you can sign up for my Dolomites right. trip in 2013. Yeah. So, so Wiggins, we're trying to figure out which one you are, man. What trip are you going on? Because you know Chris has an adventure bike now. He's digging it. Oh, really? so, I want to totally want to hook up with him. No, yeah. Chris is coming on the 2013 trip with me. 2023. 2020, uh-huh. 2013. We're going to get in a time machine. No, we're going to. Chris is going to come on the 2023 trip. Is he, and he really? Get, he gets to be the big spoon. Oh, oh. wow. Um, Emma, we had quite a few emails this past week of people who want to sign up for the trip. Well, of course they do. I mean, I'm talking about if we open up registration right now, I think it'd be sold out. Oh, to another Europe trip? Yeah, for next year. Wow. No, we're going to do another Dolomites do trip for 2023. Give or take the same time frame, give or take the same budget, just a brief reminder, this is six days of riding, it includes everything except booze, food, and your return flight, two and a half grand! What wow. the hell do you get for two and a half grand? So Emma, That's huge. I forwarded you all the emails. Yes. So hopefully you'll be saving those, sending out some communication. I know Kat already opened up a, um, a page that you can, I think, put it and pause it down. Right. To save Show spot. interest. Um, but, I mean, here's an example. Um, I've got an email here from our friend Dean, and he says, Hey, Dean. Um, put me down as a definite maybe for Emma's Alpine Wonderland 2.0. I like that name. Yeah. Ah, Alpine Wonderland. He says, uh, sadly, wasn't able to swing the first one less than a year after paying for my wedding, but I should be able to make the second one, one as long as it's not full already. Um, back here in uh, 2022, though, I'm looking down the barrel of splitting the cases on a bike for the first time. was wondering if y'all have any advice. My Buell XB12 has started popping out of third gear momentarily when I load. <laughs> then violently catching again almost feels like an invisible hand is trying and failing to clutch up a wheelie some internet research reveals that other people have had similar symptoms which turned out to be caused by a bent shift fork and or the dogs on the affected gear being rounded over from where does that sound about right yeah so he says unfortunately there's no way to access all this without pulling the engine out of the bike and halfway apart seems like a good winter project and i'm actually kind of looking forward Sounds to right getting to me. stuck into it but any top tips for my first time doing such major surgery would be much appreciated the toppest tip i can give you you already possess the greatest tool that I never had when I was learning. And that's your mobile phone. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. as many pictures as you need to. Your mobile phone, if you've got a decent one, can hold a thousand pictures plus easily. Take as many pictures as you need of each individual step. But the biggest tip, the biggest bonehead mistake for anybody who's working on their engine, clean your area. Designate a clean you can have the filthiest garage in the world but if you're pulling the engine you make a scrupulously clean workbench for it my workshops i always have either formica or stainless steel worktops and i always clean them the same way whenever a job's done i'll wd-40 them down and get them scrupulously clean you need a clean area to work on that engine now, look at poor AJ here. You know, when they were mm. operating on him, can you imagine if they'd introduced <laughs> dirt into his cavity? So, Emma, I'd like to and add to that. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Bagel. Yeah, I was also mm-hmm. going to say, and 
also clean the engine before you even take it out of the yeah. bike. Yeah. Always clean helps. It as, as good as you can. And then once you get it out of the bike, clean the other little areas that you couldn't get while it was in there. Get it as clean as possible before you start taking it apart. So you're not introducing dirt into the build. So yep. my, my top tips, I have two. One, get a shelving unit. And then mm, as you're yeah. dis- dismantling it, you have shelves you can go in order and lay stuff out. Two, I like the cardboard trick, especially for somebody it's first time doing this. Right. Every cover you're taking off, you can draw a picture of the cover and poke holes in there in the exact position the bolts are in, shove the bolts in there, and then right, left case cover, top, bottom, set that on your shelf. I think that's, that's a, a great that's an trick. Awesome trick. Sometimes the bolts are yeah. different lengths but fit in the same holes. So that's oh, right. yeah. No, that's a yeah. great trick. And, you know, just things like camshaft timing. Understand, because you've got four cams in that bad boy. So mm. understand what cam timing is. Understand how it works, which cam is which. Mark them. You can take a camshaft out, clean it, and write on it anywhere with a Sharpie. Rear intake, yeah. front intake, front exhaust. You know, mm. write on the components themselves with a Sharpie. Put them in a sandwich bag. Keep them clean till you are ready to assemble them. And then the other trick, if, if you don't want to use cardboard, if you want to leave bolts in the cases you're removing, put some uh, ma- a masking tape around and, them to keep them in. And here's an Emma top tip. Um, I believe he's a newlywed. Yeah. So... If you're lucky, um, you'll probably be able to build it on the kitchen table. Good one. Well, um, uh, what's your name? John. That that, that is John. John. We can call him Jim, though. Jimmy! Read that email. (laughs) Jimmy Jim. Jimmy Jim. Jimmy John. All right. What you got there? This is from Patrick. Patrick Patrick from New Jersey. Patty. Oh, he's our friend. We know Patty, yeah. Hey, Patty, how are you? It's interesting that right after hearing your cast about being an action forward motorcyclist, I've been wondering how I can be a better steward of our passion. I'm an AMA. Yeah, this is in uh, responding to the New York Mm -hmm. checkpoints. I'm an AMA member and I I still feel like I can do better. I've received an email from the MTA and NYC as a New Jersey Easy Pass member. For my thoughts on the congestion of pricing mm-hmm. proposal, I signed up to receive information, left a polite but poignant message about if congestion is being addressed, motorcycles are helpful and not charged in other cities for this sort of pricing. This sparked a bit of hope to be more hopeful, a bit of hope to be more hopeful. And I'm looking forward to finding more and local ways to better our passion. VM, uh, Vintage Motorcycle Days this year was awesome, and mm-hmm. I loved having. Uh, having being there with all of you and uh, stay safe, Dingles. Hey, Patty, thanks for using your voice. That is important. Um, for those who don't remember the congestion pricing, they're looking to charge people a toll to get into Manhattan about $26 per vehicle, and motorcycles will not be exempt from a tax for congen- congestion, which motorcycles are not part of the problem. Right. And they're that's going to severely uh, exactly. impair people who commute so that sucks bagel yes you got one there i do i have an email from tim brand hello hi misfits this is tim from costa rica tim's from america right 
I'm not sure. What's a Costa Rican accent sound like? Well, I, I seem to recall that Tim is an American expat living in Costa Rica. Oh, so I'm going to read it in American accent. <laughs> That's probably the safest way to do it. Yeah. Tim writes, I've been listening to you guys for a couple of years now while I work cleaning and maintaining boats here in the marina. Cool. Nice. You, you guys inspired me to start working on my bikes. I've really went full on and got all the tools and attack absolutely any repair needed. Fork rebuilds, brake calipers, valve adjustments, just about anything now. With that said, I have been quite lost down a rabbit Mm -hmm. hole of clutch issues uh, lately that nobody seems to be able to help with. When I ask specific clutch questions on the forums, it's like asking about black magic, (laughs) crickets chirping, and silence ensues. Anyway, it seems nobody really understands understands clutch systems apart from true mechanics. And it dawned on me last week, maybe Miss Emma could tell me why. Tell Tell me why. why. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nothing but a clutch problem. (laughs) (laughs) I have two opposite issues that are driving me nuts. Okay. (laughs) Clutch drag and clutch slippage. Oh, okay. So first, um, on my 990 Super Duke, due oh, oh, to Duke. terrible, due to terrible, terrible previous owner maintenance, I've replaced the entire clutch pack, including the inner basket mm-hmm. that was notched, installed a new Oberon-style cl- slave cylinder, push rod and bearing incorrectly, and bled the heck out of the system numerous times, and the clutch still drags and is hard to shift, if not impossible sometimes. Everything has been installed by the book, basket torqued down, springs torqued, etc. Should I look at rebuilding the master cylinder? What in the world causes the drag? Mm. Emma, do you want to take this one first? Well, yeah, I mean... Is it the ball bearing? Drag is... is can be caused by a number of things. I mean, drag can be caused by warped um, steel plates. Um, can be caused by a notch clutch basket. I don't think it is that in this case, because he's already replaced them. Ooh, mm-hmm. I bet I've heard of. Uh, sometimes people miss that last plate in the back. No, and then they have one extra plate in there. You know, all they all all the plates come out, but sometimes there's oh. one held back. And I so mean, it may be, it, no, we, I, but I've never I, heard that happen before. I don't think it's <clears throat> that in this case. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. KTM, that's got, has that got a Magura? No, it's got a conventional. It might be that the master cylinder is just simply not pushing enough fluid. Um I tell you what is an absolute devil on KTMs is people put these adjustable span levers on them, and you should never do that on a KTM because oh. you don't get enough pull on it. Oh, wow. Well. If you so have an adjustable span lever, lever mm. put it out to number mm-hmm. six or push it as far away as you can so you get that pull. But I think for the cost of a kit, which is only about 25 bucks, start there. And assume the nothing. Yeah. Rebuild a master cylinder, but assume nothing. A lot of times, I've bought brand new clutch kits, and the steels are so warped that I've ended up using the old steels. Mm. Wow. 
And, and the way, yeah, and the way to check your steels is Jeez. you need a piece of glass. So um, mm. go into your mum's bedroom and take down the <laughs> best mirror in the house, <laughs> and then put your put your steel clutch plate on it, and then stick a feeler gauge all the way around mm. it, and mm. make sure it is absolutely flat. And if you use a mirror, you can tell because you can see if it's sitting proud. You've got to do things like that. Check the steels and make sure they're completely flat. Um, Emma. Yes. Never tell someone to use their mom's mirror. You just use your Coke mirror. Oh, yeah. That's, well, well, same thing. If it's already sitting there. It depends on your mom, yeah. I if guess. it's big enough, you know. Um, My mom likes her Coke. But, yeah, assume nothing. You've got to make sure that... The clutch itself is bolted down. Look for free play in the clutch. Take all the plates out, grab the clutch center, what I call the clutch spider, and try and pull it backwards and forwards. Because you've got to make sure that when you get that throw on the master cylinder, it's pushing the clutch away as much as as much as you can. Um, it sounds to me like a master cylinder problem. I know. My 990, uh, um, my clutch is weird when the bike is cold. It'll be really, it'll like, uh, I'll release the clutch and it'll suddenly grab mm. and, and kind no, of he's, be jerky, but as soon as it warms up, it's fine. That he's got, away. he's got something else going on. It's yeah. dragging. Yeah. So there's something going wrong. Okay. Um, double check, pull the clutch apart, double check, make sure if you've got upgraded components, I hate to say it, go back to stock components. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you've got a okay. problem. Always go back to stock specification springs. Always go back to stock specification plates. And then if the problem goes away, then introduce each item. Because, you know, oh, I'm going to get this upgraded clutch, and it gets you get plates, you get springs, you get everything, and you put it in, the clutch doesn't work. And you're like, oh, bloody hell. So mm-hmm. we need to figure out whether it's the springs that are too heavy to overcome the hydraulic pressure, whether it's the plates themselves. So if you've still got the original components, go back to the original components, see if the problem goes away, and then introduce the new upgraded components until the problem manifests itself, and then you're like, ah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, one, one modification at a time. Yeah. Um, Emma? And, oh, go ahead, Bagel. Well, well, um, did you, uh, I've got, he's got a second question, oh, too. Okay. Right. Um, yes. Shall I continue? Okay. So, uh, number issue number two. On my 690 Enduro, <laughs> due to a novice misdiagnosis, I've also installed an entire new clutch, a new slave cylinder, which broke inside and was the real problem, um. and rebuilt the master cylinder. The clutch engagement is now at the very end of the lever, no matter how you adjust the lever. And such a short engagement, it's almost and uh, it's almost impossible to modulate it in a in technical terrain. And out on the street at very high RPM and traction, it seems to slip a bit. What in the world could be causing this? It's driving me crazy, and I've lost a bit of confidence. There's only so many times I can reopen the clutch and bleed the slave. I've ran out of things to check or replace, not to mention patience. Thanks in advance. And if you could recommend any online basic maintenance courses or videos, that would be great. I'd like to become more competent. Thanks for the great shows, Tim. And I just want to say, Tim, you have excellent taste in motorcycles. So uh, on that one, is that the ball bearing? 
Is there a ball bearing on the on the um, rod? Six six ninety enduro. So here's what I here's what I want you to do is I want you to take the slave off. It's held on by three M six screws, and I want you to pack behind each of the screws between the slave cylinder and the engine. Put three or four washers on there. Mm-hmm. So basically you're pulling the slave away mm-hmm. from the engine. Now make sure yeah. you don't allow the O-ring to go because you'll lose all your oil. And I think you'll get your clutch action back. Ooh, and again, nice. it's upgraded components. You've got to be careful with these things. Either your push rod's too long or your slave. There's something going on or there's something still in there that shouldn't be. Um, Amazing. Or could could he take your advice from the previous issue and go back to the stock components that he'd swapped out before? Yes, because if it was just the slave uh, cylinder that was the uh, the issue with, that was broken. Yeah, a lot of these slave the cylinder manufacturers, slave yeah. cylinders are quite expensive to make, so they'll make one that fits a variety of uh, bikes. In that case, mm. with that Rotax engine. And it might not be suitable for the clutch pack. Just try. Mm. There's something going on there. Either the push rod's too long or the internal. When you look at a slave and you take a slave off, you've got the piston. And then there's a recess in the piston. And I think you'll find that's not deep enough. And, you know, I'd take the piston out and I'd get it on a bench press and I'd drill the, the recess a bit more, but that ain't for the faint of heart. Miss Emma, maybe talking out of school, could he have the wrong number of steels or friction plates in there? Maybe. I mean, there's no. It's it's well, a it's a it's a throw problem. Okay. It's either the push rod is too yeah. long, or the slave the recess in the slave cylinder, or he's got too many ball bearings, something like that. Because yeah. I don't think there's an adjustment in the center of that clutch. If there is, you can just back that off. Mm. But if it's biting mm. right at the very, very end and it's slipping, there's there's something that's stopping it mm-hmm. compressing completely. And I'm I'm guessing yeah. it's the push rod. And as for he said, if there's any online training, YouTube is the place. I changed the oil on my Africa Twin today. I found a great video by uh, Rocky Mountain ADV. Mm-hmm. Watched it. Easy. I was. It was very I quick like and easy. That's yeah. Good one. Good. So um, that's the best place to go. So Emma, let's save. You have one email there. Let's save that till next week. Yeah, we'll do. Because that one is a could turn into a big topic. It's mm. an interesting it's, topic. It's, it's about engine swapping, mm. and that I think could be a whole mm. a whole thing. To well, talk it's, about. A, it's a it, it's a long question with a very very quick answer. Oh well, let's. Yeah, I want to save that. Yeah. Um, I have an update. From our friend Yuri Berrigan, who's over yeah. at Isle of Man. He's Rock been star. sending oh, wow. me some pretty cool photos of oh, him pulling wheelies yeah. and stuff. And getting big air. Player. Yeah, player. Uh, player. So he sent me um, uh, an update. And he says, oh, cool. motor blew up on first lap of the main oh, event. Oh. oh. He's been there oh. doing the practice runs all week. Well, all year Man. he's been qualifying I know, I know. and doing all the things to do it. Oh. Oh, and this is the that life sucks. of a racer. Yeah, motorcycles. Yeah. Wow. Motorbikes. Are uh, cool my heart goes out to you, Yuri. Yeah, man, that's you, tough. You're the man. He's you the, the man. man. Yuri is cool, dude. Yeah. So I'm um, sorry about that, dude. But at yeah, least, at least you, it looks like you got a lot of laps in this year. I know in the past the practice sessions have been rained out. But it looks like it's been pretty good. So I'm glad you at least got mm-hmm. got your time on the bike. Um, 
we have t-shirts for sale motorcycles and misfits.com you go to shop and i got all different sizes available there um and i think that's it big thanks to everyone who's sending in all, all these emails keep them coming because i'm only here for another week and then all these fools have got to fill this <laughs> podcast for a couple of weeks so if you have some uh, good topic ideas or good questions or tell me why yeah, for, for Miss Emma, <laughs> send them on in. Um, but big thank you to AJ for coming in and sharing that story, dude. That is a it's awesome gnarly. trip. That's that's motorcycle shit. That is yeah. motorcycle <laughs> shit, especially motorcycle the shit. crash beforehand, the like all the all the stuff, all the scars you have, and like I'm still going. I'm that's real biker shit. I right think there. I got. Go ahead. And yeah. Make no mistake. His arm looks like chopped liver. Yeah. This is big injury. Yeah. I think I might, if it's okay, I might use you as my Halloween costume this year. Gear <laughs> 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 on, have some tubes come, maybe a colostomy bag hanging oh, off. You know, I'll while. send you the picture that I took. No, I'm good. <laughs> the tube's going out. Colostomy, it's not my bag, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Groovy. Oh, yeah, so goodness. thank you for coming out and sharing your story in person because of something I didn't even know about. Honda, they just keep sneaking up with all these pretty amazing stuff. Um, go to hondaadventureroads.com if you want to check it out or you want to watch these videos that are yeah, totally. really, really well produced. Well, you don't, you don't see a lot. Well, they're out there like a, a lot, but you don't see a lot of Africa Twin you know, videos out there. Some of the guys doing crazy stuff and jumping on rocks, but like like the BDR stuff, they do such a good job yeah. with BMWs. You see a lot of those, which is really cool. So it'll right. be fun to see and Africa Twins. Maybe we can get you two to go on a ride, Jim, because why don't you tell them what you've got? Because he's in New York? Well, tell them what you've been <laughs> planning to do. What? what have I been? Oh, the California BDR? No, the Transamerica, I thought. Oh, Transamerica Trail? Yeah, that's a bigger trip, though. That's like, oh, wow. a, that's like a five to you six wanna, week trip. You want to do that on Africa Twins? Yeah. Oh, I totally do on Africa Twins. Okay. Yeah. Here All we right. go. We'll be in See? Touch. See? I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. I mean, I, why not? Yeah, I mean, I'm down. I just have to pencil it in. It's only a month or so. <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Maybe you guys can start at both ends and meet in the middle. Uh, yeah, well, well, no. The reality is, somebody. Yeah, somebody's got to start at one end, and then yeah, you can. Yeah, I, the the tran the, the TAT is probably not in my future for a while because I mean you got to take six weeks yeah. or yeah. something like yeah, that. I gotta read so it. Where got, does it start? And where does it Oregon, finish? Oregon, Oregon to, and maybe North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they extended it because it used to end um, yeah. in Teleco Plains, Tennessee, and okay. I think they extended it um, a little bit further. Okay, so Tennessee ish. Yep. Well, it's just where we ride annually anyway, so if you want to paddle in on the May ride, we'd love to have All it. right, cool. Something to think about. But we found some of some of your people, Jim. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, There's across the country. <laughs> Story of my I life. Know, I know. Thanks. So thank you, um, and especially thanks to all of our listeners for hanging with us here. Um, and, of course, to our Patreon subscribers. We love you the most. Um, we love all our listeners the most. Liza. <laughs> yes. But we love our Patreon subscribers a, a little, little bit mostier. more. <laughs> a little moster. All right. So we're, we're about to get out of here. It's really easy. I know, Anthony, you've been so quiet. I hope you enjoyed this. I'm glad I could contribute and, you know, offer all that information. Was, was this at least interesting to you? <laughs> yes, yes. Very interesting. Very interesting. This Never was on a podcast before either. So cool. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, okay. Thanks, everyone. I think it's time to get out of here. This is Eliza. Stubby John. Emma Darling. AJ. Scott. Naked Jim, son. And Anthony. Mm, bagel. And we are out of here. 
Coco. Coco. Coco.